materialism is just a proxy. It's just a superficial representation of a baseline core need that we have to belong. And what, I, what we're doing it for purpose is we're taking that appealing magnet, which is materialism, and we're replacing it with impact. Welcome to the Create and Grow Rich podcast. Now here's your host, best-selling author and award-winning teacher, Janine Letford. Hi, I'm Janine Letford, intercultural creativity keynote speaker, and this is the Create and Grow Rich podcast, produced by Cafe Strategies, an industry leader and founder of intercultural creativity training. Most people don't know that your creative thinking is affected by your ability to observe, connect, and adapt with people across cultural lines. And this creative health affects your financial wealth and your company's bottom line. So if you're looking to increase your intercultural creative thinking as well as your financial outlook, then this podcast is for you. On the Create and Grow Rich podcast, we bring you successful entrepreneurs and top creative thinkers who exemplify that creative thinking isn't just artistry, but encompasses so much more. And it's for everyone. For the show notes for this show and for tips on improving your inclusive creative thinking with the seven gems of intercultural creativity, go visit cafestrategies.com. That's C-A-F-F-E strategies.com. Now enjoy the show. Hey, this is Janine, and I am so happy to be back with you with the Create and Grow Rich podcast. Of course, you guys know I only bring you the best, the people who are operating in their creative genius, doing great things, and making a difference. And this guest is right along those lines. I have Mr. Brian Ford with me. He is the founder of For Purpose, the organization that is modernizing what it means to make a difference. I met him actually on a pitch event with Better With with Paul. We were both pitching our companies to the world and he is working with a company named Recover X, which is another creative company that I would love for you to share. But his current project is really what the Create and Grow Rich podcast is all about. People taking their creative ideas and putting them out, out there and making a difference. Brian, welcome to the show. Janine, thank you so much. What a pleasure. <laughs> well, if you could quickly just give people a background of who you are and how you got to where you, you are today. Sure. Yeah. So, hi, nice to meet you. My name is Brian. Uh, yeah, my background, I, um, I grew up you know, playing sports my whole life. I ended up playing college soccer, actually. So I was a student athlete and I didn't realize what my life was like until I got to college, actually. Um, I grew up very affluent, um, you know, never really had to pick up a second job. I got a Mercedes when I turned 16, didn't think twice about any of it, you know? And, and when I went to college and I saw the way that people outside of my bubble lived, I had a huge culture shock and realization. And I realized very quickly that I needed to change my expectations. Uh, so I did. So I started seeking other people's perspectives and trying to understand where people come from in order to better relate with them. So kind of fast forward till today, um, you know, I used a lot of that experience to form my ideas of what my purpose is. So this social impact platform for purpose is really just kind of my expression and helping to bridge the opportunity gap from what I had growing up to what many people don't. And how can I use the platform that I inherited to, to, to bring other people up and support uh, them with their aspirations. So I'm, I'm very grateful for everything that I've received and inherited in my life. And I'm dedicated to paying it forward for those who didn't receive the same kind of fortune. Wow. So was there, I did not know that about you and your background. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I love that. You know, my company, we really do a lot of intercultural competency training and assessment. And one of the key abilities that people who are a little, little bit along the continuum have is that really ability to have perspective and to have their behavior support their findings of, you know, going out and giving different perspectives, really putting themselves in other people's shoes and really being curious about other people's experiences. Let's go back to um, really kind of how more of that shock because yeah. that really intrigues me because you know I'm all about creative thinking and financial literacy and how they intersect sure and you had every right you know really just to stay in your bubble and to stay with your peers of your affluent level and not really care mm -hmm. really what caused you to move yeah um no, that's a good question I mean and I see I've seen many of my friends that have kind of taken that route which was the okay, I'm aware of this now, but it's not me. So, so be it, you know, it's just kind of, it's the lottery of life and I want it, you know, and I, I prefer not to think that way. I think for me, um, like I've always really identified and prided myself on being a high achiever, on working really hard, on earning everything that I got. And that was all put into question when I got to college. So a specific example is one of my best friends, his name is Chris. He grew up in Sacramento and kind of like the hood of Sacramento. And he was one of four people to make it out of his graduating class to go to college. And there was actually added complexity, you know, comparing his background to mine. The, the courses that he took in high school didn't even prepare him to be eligible for a college education because his advisor's role was so strictly around, let's get this kid to graduate, not even thinking about college. Let's just get him to graduate where it was expected that I went to college, you know, and that's so that was like the, the core highlight. And then what I realized is learning more about Chris and where he came from and thinking about who I am and where I came from. I realized that we were on the exact same playing field. He was my teammate and we came from very different backgrounds. Imagine what he could have done if he started where I did and imagine where I would have ended up if I started where he did. And that really kind of, that really opened my eyes to, man, am I really working that hard? Have I really earned as much as I did? And it kind of, it really did create a consciousness for myself around this, um, you know, this, this stark difference that people have in their life. And instead of, you know, taking that personally or, you know, threatening like the ways that I have, you know, come about to exist in my life, I kind of use that as a challenge to be like, okay, well, I've inherited this privilege for a reason. Let me do everything I can to climb as high as I can given that platform to make people like Chris and those who didn't have it proud and for them to respect what I did, just like I respect what they did from their level, you know? So there's kind of that mutual respect that I gained an awareness of. And I think that's something that has been fundamental in my understandings of how to have the self-awareness about where I come from, who I am and what I'm capable of. Yeah. Self-awareness is key. And I don't think we spend a lot of time with ourselves in that quiet moment of reflecting our experiences and the experiences that we're hearing directly from other people who have different experiences and different lived experiences. And that's to be so young and to uh, really embrace that, I think is shows a testament to uh, what you, your, your parents um, and you mm -hmm. of just having that maturity um, to really stop and reflect, you know, the key of the beauty of reflection, especially at such a young age. I know adults <laughs> who are my <laughs> age and who, who don't know how to do that. You made a good point that it, it wasn't my doing, right? Like I have an older brother who has been incredible and he's been, he's been a mentor of mine. And I have two parents, you know, unfortunately my parents were together growing up, you know, so I had a two parent household and that makes a difference too. So it's like, it's, it's not, 
entirely me. Like, sure, I like had the maturity and the awareness at that time, but that's only a byproduct of everyone else's investment in me as well. You know, so I, I have to give, I got, I got to give the people around me a lot of credit um, because mm. I'm, I'm very happy and grateful that it all turned out that way. And it, it very well couldn't have if uh, I had different people in my life. So I'm, I'm lucky for sure in that respect. Yeah. And that's a great point. And that's something for our parents out there to really hear of like, what are you intentionally doing to build the self-awareness in your children to make sure they have the tools, right? The tools that I teach adults um, in my trainings, how are parents teaching their kids to really have that interculturally ability to connect with people and to really learn how to see things from their perspective and then go home and reflect about what that means in their, their life. That is huge. But just because you were on this topic and before we move on, you know, what is your thoughts just really about white privilege? How, how did, and I know you kind of probably touched on it in a roundabout way, Yep. but yeah, what's, what's your thoughts about that? No, thank you for asking. Um, yeah, so when the civil unrest and BLM kind of really picked up this year, I, I took it very hard because I, I always knew that, you know, it was happening, but I had no near, I had no nowhere near enough awareness of the true difference that existed. You know, I was more talking about kind of like class struggles, but when it came, when it comes to racial struggles, I hadn't really, uh, I hadn't really seen that for myself, even in college. So when I, you know, I saw the murder of George Floyd and I saw like everyone taking to the streets and really starting to educate myself and understanding the differences, I, I took it personal because I saw myself as one of the ignorant people as part of the problem, you know, like I, mm -hmm. and I very quickly kind of, um, you know, started reflecting on, you know, how am I any different than some of, you know, these white people that are, you know, doing these things. And I, I believe I am different, but I, I definitely acknowledge and am comfortable acknowledging my racial bias. And it, I think that is, um, that is no fault of my own. Again, it's just kind of the circumstances and the ways that I've been, in, in my comfort level with the people I've been around and just kind of the environment that I've been in. But nonetheless, it's absolutely a part of me. And I think that I was more willing to accept that because like the idea of racism is, you know, it's such a horrible thing, of course, but also it's such a frowned upon thing to, to even consider as part of your world, you know? So when it comes to the racial divides, it's, it's a very taboo concept because people don't want to be racist. And, and that's where I try and make a, like a really intentional difference is it's not necessarily, you know, racism or kind of racial bias. Like we need to think about like how it re relates to each individual person. So for myself, the kind of the difference that I made is racism is the conscious intentional action of treating people differently because they're a different race. And that is unacceptable. Um, when it comes to racial bias, that's something that's happening on an unconscious, subconscious level that's been learned that is just kind of ingrained in who we are as people. And it absolutely creates differences in stratification in our real world. But, but am I to be as at fault of that? I don't think so because it's not my conscious choice. It's something that is a part of me, absolutely, mm -hmm. but not my choice. But that doesn't mean it can't be changed. And that's where I'm doing the work to really recognize mm -hmm. where my racial biases come out and why they exist and where, you know, where those deficiencies in my comfort level um, are and, and kind of being intentional about bridging that gap because I don't want to be that way and I acknowledge that I am. So that's, that's kind of how I relate with my white privilege and I try and encourage other, you know, white males and other leaders to, to invite that conversation of themselves and not to be so critical because the only way that you can actually go about change, you know, first step is awareness. And if you're willing to think about it, then you become aware. Um, and that's, that's what I'm challenging myself to do is really 
become more aware and then reflective and ultimately try and think through what I can do to be different moving forward. Um, so it, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult concept for sure. Um, but that's the way that I've kind of, um, I've been able to reason it. And I think it's, I think it's fair given kind of where I'm at right now. And I've been much more intentional about opening up my community and my eyes and my um, ambitions to serving people of color and people that are different from myself because um, I'm, I recognize, especially if my goal is to bridge the opportunity gap, that there are starkly different opportunities for people in these different circumstances. So, And awareness is, is a key. And I like the fact that you brought up bias. One point that a colleague brought up is not just, you know, that people are doing explicit intentional actions. Of course, you know, there are that, that group, but just the complacency, you know, mm -hmm. what does it mean to just kind of like what you said, your friends are like, okay, I see that, but you know, that's the lottery of luck. I'm going to go over here and live my life. Just the complacency of seeing uh, people, you know, not given the chance to be you know, promoted or to be the, just the opportunities and watching it and not speaking up on their, their behalf. So, you know, really there's so much there and that could be a whole thing but yeah. we're not here really to talk about that but i'm so glad that you you gave your perspective yeah. on I, that I, I appreciate you mentioning complacency because yeah you're right mm -hmm. i think that's what i took personally about myself was like i didn't know about it and then becoming aware about it i was like oh what am i going to do and my initial gut reaction was oh like nothing and it's like that's not okay that's not what i want to be that's not what i want to stand for and and you're right like i think complacency is comfort you know um and I wanted to, I wanted to reject that. So it's been difficult, but yes, that's, thank you for bringing that up. The hard work is normally difficult, right? <laughs> this is, is life. And this is what we want to make, make sure we have a life well lived. And really what, what does that look like when we become aware of these things? So I thank you so much for, for sharing that. And part of you not being complacent and part of you really using your, your platform. And before I, I get to this next part, I just want to really highlight the fact that a lot of times when we, when we think of the word privilege, we only think of white males. Mm -hmm. Right. And we, we really need to be aware of that because I had to look at my own privileges. Yes. You know, for, you know, four kids, single parent home, free and reduced lunch. But I had a mom who knew the educational system. So she knew how to get her kids into the gate program. You know, she knew how to get us into, you know, so privilege looks like a lot of different things in a lot of different ways. And so mm -hmm. I had to look at myself, wait, Janine, how can I use my privilege to help those who may not have parents who know how to navigate these systems, who don't know how to get these opportunities for the kids or, or speak to folks and, and get resources flowing in certain directions. So I just want folks to make sure that the word privilege is not only assigned to one particular group. Yeah. All, if you have internet, you have a privilege, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I would like to, with that in mind, I'd like to clarify something else too. So when I talk about racial bias, I think there are positive and negative racial biases too, you know, so like there's a full spectrum of how, like there, there are definitely positive biases that exist and, you know, kind of everyone has a racial bias just based on their upbringing. Like it's just unconsciously, subconsciously ingrained in us. It just happens to be that white males and other people with a certain kind of privilege have these negative biases that affect the well-being of other people. And that's what needs to be addressed is when those, those biases, you know, are really affecting, um, you know, the happiness and the right to happiness of other people. So that, that's an important point too, is racial bias is a many way street is just what's most important when it comes to, you know, social justice is um, overcoming how racial bias is a factor in the inequities we see.
Mm-hmm. And there's so many biases. There's there's like a height bias, you know, me being five yeah. seven, and who like the height has nothing to do with your wisdom um, yep. <laughs> and your ability to execute. So yeah, we all need to work on that. I don't care who you are. We all have biases. We all can do the work and become aware. But your work and you being a man of, of action, I, I love. Well, what is for purpose, and what was the impetus of this brainchild? Yeah. Um... So for, yeah, for purpose is a social impact platform. So what we're committed to doing is modernizing what it means to be a philanthropist or what it means to make a difference. And when you think of the nonprofit sector, the social impact sector, a lot of people think of, okay, how much money did you donate? How many hours did you volunteer? Well, there's a full spectrum of ways that people can make a difference and not everyone can afford to, to make an impact at the level that's expected of you in order to be a philanthropist, right? So what we're trying to do at For Purpose is we're trying to provide visibility in the many, many different ways that people can make a difference at all of the different levels that people can make a difference and bring a community around that so that people feel empowered no matter what they have to offer, big or small, their contribution is valued and exists in a larger pool of people that are committed to making a difference. So even if you don't have that much to offer or you know, I wouldn't say that you don't have, like everyone has a lot to offer, but relatively, if you have less to offer, then you still have the validation and the incentive to be involved because you know that you are part of a larger movement that's representing larger, something larger than yourself, something that exists beyond yourself. And that, um, that provides enough inspiration to, to get you to take those um, kind of those social impact actions. So that, that's kind of the, the vision of um, for purpose is to really encourage people to take positive action by deconstructing what it means um, to make a difference. And kind of like the layers of that when it comes to like, myself and um, kind of how I thought of this. And I'm I'm glad that you're talking about kind of like being observational, right? So like the observations that we have um, in our lives. So I just kind of observed influencer culture and the way that people identify, you know, and there's a lot of materialism that is just embedded and deeply rooted in the way that we aspire to be. So when I kind of started getting critical about like, what really does materialism and influencer culture do? Well, it just gives people an example of how they should live their life. But what is it about that that really validates a core need? And if you go through like this psychological pathway, it's a few different steps. But first, it's materialism. It's like, okay, why are people materialistic? It's because you want to tell people how much money you have or, you know, whatever you have. So there's like that expression of wealth. Okay, why is it important that you express wealth? It's because you want people to think that you are valuable and money is a form of value. Okay, why do you want people to think you're valuable? It's because you want, you want to feel like people value you. You want to belong in your tribe, right? So it comes all the way back to a basic need. Materialism is just a proxy. It's just a superficial representation of a baseline core need that we have to belong. And what, I, what we're doing it for purpose is we're taking that appealing magnet, which is materialism, and we're replacing it with impact so that these influencers, these thought leaders, these people that are blazing trails and really setting culture and, and teaching people how they want to identify ultimately in their life, let's have them to start talk about all of the ways they make a difference, all of the ways they live for purpose and make contribution sexy. Make that be what people aspire to do. Because then when kids and people with lesser means and lesser audiences, when they try and figure out, oh, I want to be like that person. What do I have to do? Now they think about impact and philanthropy, not materialism and buying watches and cars and stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like everything has its place, but in moderation and understanding the intentions of it. And, and that's kind of what For Purpose is meant to do is to encourage people to take action 
so they can taste what that's like. It tastes a little bit better than materialism. And then from there, they can take their next step on their impact journey, whatever that takes. And, and that's kind of where the resource broadens to connecting people to resources, um, you know, specifically that people can hand select, oh, this is the level that I'm at and this is what I want to do. And, and that is, um, that's how people can grow deeper with their identity in service rather than materialism. I love that you have the generational component to this of how can we communicate to kids that, hey, this is how we roll. This is what it really looks like to roll. And like I said before, to live, to have a life well lived, you know, mm -hmm. life well will live is a life with impact where you're, you're doing that and not a life of materialistic collections that end up gaining dust and then you're at the end of your life you're like wait what happened i didn't you know that's powerful in my trainings for creative thinking i find a lot of people have creative ideas have impact ideas but they have a lot of fear they have that mental cognitive block of overcoming and you're talking about getting people into action what are some tips that you, that you do for yourself because you're highly in, in the brain is called the conative ability people who know how to take action despite this what are some tips or tricks or hacks that you do to take action in the face of fear yeah so i i think the reason that people have fear and i am putting my hand up like i am absolutely in this category I think people have fear because they have a certain expectation of what the outcome is going to be. And again, that comes back to how, how valuable are you perceived to be? Well, if you're valuable, then you're going to make it work or you're going to do well. So fear comes from the idea of failure and how people are going to receive you if they're going to accept you if you fail. So what I try to do personally is I try to detach my value from the outcome and attach my value to the effort. So with the things that are within my control, I want to be known for that. I want to value and evaluate myself on the effort, not the outcome, because there are so many factors that come in and contribute to the outcome. But when it comes to the actual work that you're doing in taking action, you need to make it about the effort. And that's something that I've learned from people across the board as, you know, why are they so good at taking steps toward failure and into their fears? It's because they don't see it as a step into fear. They see it as a step and an attestation, a statement of who they want to be and how they're, make, how they're, they're putting effort into making progress in that area. So that's what I try and focus on is, you know, and, and even, you know, use fear as a guidance system. You know, if, if you really are trying to grow and, you know, I have a, a self-improvement podcast, um, so I'm deep into this personal development work. But if you do want to grow and expand your potential and contribute in different ways, then you need to get uncomfortable because growth comes at the edge of your comfort zone, right? Um, I even think that and something I'm still articulating and trying to understand is, you know, the role of confidence. I believe that confidence is meant to exist when you're not comfortable because you're trying to attribute a future state of how you're going to feel doing something that's out of your comfort zone. That's what confidence is for. So in order to cultivate confidence, in order to cultivate your own value and to grow into that, you have to step into fear and you have to put yourself in a position to fail. And you're always going to question that if you think people are going to receive you in a negative way by failing. So you have to attach yourself to the effort itself. That's so, so good. And then your other connection with people wanting to be a, a part of a group, that belonging, that innate foundational yep. need and how it's all connected. Like we're looking at all this complex stuff, but it's all connected. It's all just here. Maslow's hierarchy of needs is we got we to gotta eat, we got to belong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Just looking at the amazing work that you're doing. And I see all of my diamond tools within you. You are mm -hmm. a highly creative thinker. 
just your ability to get out of sight of your comfort zone, to have perspective, to have a connection. You are a great, great creative thinker and all of the amazing things that you're doing is not just helping our generation today, but you're also making ripple effects into future generations, generations that you will never meet. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the amazing, amazing thing. So as we wrap up, do you have, I call them gems because I'm the diamond girl and I see you have mm -hmm. your diamond pen. I know you did read the book. Yeah. So, yeah, so um, I got the book, the main book. Yeah. The, yeah, main so book, the, the debt to destiny book. Okay, cool. So yeah, what stood out to me and it kind of goes back into like this culture that we're in, you know, um, you know, the, the, specifically when it comes to like financial habits and um, kind of like financial tendency, tendencies, what stood out to me was how inherited some of these decisions are to start off. So like you just really kind of come upon these conclusions um, based on you like having an imprint basically from your parents. And, you know, again, I owe that to my family um, in how they were able to kind of guide me the right way. But then also in that the way society is actually designed to manipulate you. You know, you'd have a really good section on consumerism and consumer psychology that I'm trying to apply into for purpose because I feel like that really does um, deconstruct a lot of this kind of like materialism cycle that I was speaking about. And it provided a new angle into it and a perspective that I found really valuable. So in reflecting on that, I would just kind of echo what I already said about like, how, how do these different things in, integrate and incorporate into our psychology and how can we gain a, no more self-awareness and more of an understanding about its role and its purpose because it has a purpose. So understand its role, but then figure out your response to it in the most appropriate way for what you're trying to do with that factor. So, I mean, that's, that's a diamond in itself and the book, the book is a gem. So I would, <laughs> I have, I have more to go through with that. Yeah. Well, thank you so very much for your time. I know you're a very, very valuable man. So I thank you for sharing your wisdom and your value with our audience now and forevermore as this is heard well into the future. I wish you well, and I know you are going to continue doing great things. And I want to just say, Thank you so much for being with our guest today. Oh, thank you, Janine. Thanks for the opportunity. I really appreciate it and I appreciate you. You're incredible. Awesome. So don't forget, your creative health does affect your financial wealth. Check out the 16 Diamond Tools of Creative Thinking on cafestrategies.com, C-A-F-F-E strategies.com and go and live your creative life for purpose, on purpose today. See you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Create and Grow Rich podcast where your creative health supports your financial wealth. If you'd like to contact Janine or ask her a question, email her at podcast at creativewealthacademy.net. That's podcast at creativewealthacademy.net. Thanks again for joining us again today. And don't forget to live a courageous and creative life.